in the client relationship. That's where I really completely fumbled. And at this point, too, I was kind of more like go with the flow, be really accommodating. And the designer and developer I was working with was a bit more go cowboy, so to speak. There was a call scheduled with their CEO. She was like, remember, you guys are the experts. Like, we hired you for a reason. So if you don't agree with something, like, tell us. You know, kind of classic, like, client advice. You know, it's probably being like a little towing the line. But I really took it to heart. And they fired me from the account. Hello, and welcome to episode 76 of Webflail. I'm your host, Jack, your failure connoisseur, and today my guest is Jacob Sussman, CEO and co-founder of BX Studio. Now, BX Studio is really interesting. It's a Webflow exclusive agency. Like, go on their website. It's just like Webflow, 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 Webflow. They offer custom development, site migration, ongoing maintenance, and support services. Now, what's wild is that the studio launched in January 2022. Since then, BX Studio has not only become a Webflow enterprise partner, which is really difficult to do, by the way, but has also created award-winning work with brands in a variety of industries. They've worked with Headspace, Zipline, Square Roots. That's mental health, drones, and vertical farming, and I've only named three different brands they've worked with. You may have seen Jacob talk at the most recent Webflow Conf, or the one before, or seen him on Twitter where he's extremely active. But I think you're going to hear a lot of stuff you may never have heard from him today. As anyone who has seen Taylor Swift's documentary, though, a meteoric rise to fame and fortune doesn't come without its sacrifices and head-in-hand moments. So, we'll be talking about him getting fired from one of his first client accounts, not holding internal team members to reasonable standards, and not hiring project managers at BX Studio for five months despite scaling the agency significantly. So, embrace and learn from failure in episode 76 of Webflow with Jacob Sussman. Jacob, welcome to the Webflow podcast. Great to be on. Yeah, big fan of the show. So yeah, thrilled and uh, honored to be a part of it today. Thanks, man. So for an easy first question, what is your relationship with failure? Mm, Great question. Definitely of two minds about failure you know not it doesn't feel good so you know obviously you know it can be painful you know you know crushing even um that said you know uh failure uh that pain is often a signal you know and you can learn you know i think a a lot of my greatest failures have also been my greatest learning experiences and uh, yeah so just try to you know ride the wave so to speak you know ideally you don't get knocked down but when you do you know there's nothing to do but just you know find your footing and get back up and you know, yeah, ideally carry on stronger than you were before. Nice. It's a really nice metaphor to use this idea of like riding the wave, because I think there's this kind of surge of fear, panic, all these emotions that happen when stuff goes wrong. And I think what I've noticed when I talk to successful webflowers is oftentimes they acknowledge that fear, that anxiety, that emotion that comes with doing things that are outside their comfort zone, but they kind of just like sit with it and then take action to actually prevent the situation from getting any worse or or apologizing to a client if there's a problem or whatever it is. But this idea of like successful people still feel that fear, surge, anxiety, but they just deal with it better and they don't let it knock them down. They get back up, as you said. How do you get back up though, Jacob? What's the the secret sauce? Because I think that is a lot of people have a failure and they're like, ah, you know, fuck it. You know what? This thing's too hard. But why do you keep getting back up? 
Yeah, I guess yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think yeah, you know, in in demanding work, one of the challenges is to just stay in the game, so to speak. I mean, in particular, if you're like not taking care of your mental health, there would be periods, you know, where you're doubting the path, you want to quit, you want to do something else. I do, I do think what's interesting is for whatever reason, you know, I've gone through like so many periods like that, you know, since I entered the agency business. And it, yeah, ever since I've, I've started taking on roles where I have like the opportunity to like be managing an agency, like when I've, you know, audit, well, yeah, when I've like considered all the other things I c- could be doing, you know, it's, yeah, I think there's an interesting tension of there's very few things I'd rather be doing. And then there's, and that's kind of intersecting with this, like the compounding progress of staying on one path, you know, because, you know, if you, if you switch paths, often you, you have to like go, you know, start over, so to speak, you're kind of like resetting your progress. So I, I think a combination of like, feeling like these roles, you know, do tend to be a good match for me, coupled with, you know, now, yeah, now more than ever, there's an opportunity cost to switching. It's, it's like, I, I guess I try to be pragmatic about it. That That's the answer is that if, yeah, if you just like, you know, logic your way through the problem, often the right decision is to keep going. So then you just need to not let yourself get in the way of that, you know, practical, good decision, hopefully. Yeah, that's fascinating. So you're saying that a lot of the times people might get in the way of themselves succeeding by literally stopping what they're doing like too early. It's actually just a question of, like you said, staying in the game long enough. And I think a lot of the time agencies that become successful go through extreme periods of pressure and they kind of grow shrink depending on the work that comes in and stuff but then they kind of find their rhythm and find their footing as you said in in your first answer and and then they can kind of move from there but yeah there's this kind of compound effect of knowledge from experience and then you can go from there so if anyone's listening to this and is like starting an agency or maybe is a freelancer and feeling really overwhelmed i had i saw a really interesting tweet from carter ogansola who started this agency called borky studios and he was saying, man, I'm overwhelmed with work. Does anyone have any project managers that they can recommend? Or, you know, can anyone just come in and help me? And there's this kind of growth stage where you feel loads of pressure. Then you hire people. Then they might not be the right hires or whatever else happens. And there's kind of the next problem to face. But it's not to say stop. It's just to say deal with what's in front of you at the time and stay in the game long enough to succeed. Oh, seven minutes in and we've got some banging advice already. Thank you, Jacob. Okay, so question for you about bx studio you are hyper like it's your h1 it's your h2 it's like workflow workflow like all over your website you've got branding that kind of aligns color wise and and feel with with webflow it's like kind of a marriage with webflow you've really tied your carriage to the webflow horse as it were what's the thinking behind that and can you just explain a little bit about the start of bx studio Absolutely. Yeah, I think this all comes back to like a strategy of a specialization being particularly effective for agencies. Before founding BX, I was at another agency where I guess, you know, there's kind of a strategic disagreement with my other partners as to how specialized the agency should be. When I was kind of more team specialization and they wanted the service offering to be like as broad as possible so that like, you know, client could come to us and we could flex to fit the client's needs. And, you know, I saw like firsthand, you know, through two and a half years there, it's like some of the problems that can result from that. And always felt like we were kind of like being held back a bit by not specializing more. And then I connected it with my, the co-founder of BX, Peter King, who, you know, I, I'm much more aligned with in that respect where you know, he has a family of agencies, all of which are hyper specialized. And there's like so many benefits to this. Uh, number one, 
you know, the team is just exclusively focused on like a few select services. So the team kind of becomes this like learning machine around this like very narrow interest. And, you know, this means everyone becomes better at their job because you're not spreading them thin. They're not like flexing between platforms and different skill sets. They're just, you know, practicing the same thing, you know, really becoming masters at their craft. There's positioning benefits. You know, a lot of leads are looking for a specific service. So when they encounter you and you exclusively offer that service, that establishes a lot of trust that you can do a good job at it. And then there's partnership benefits too, that, you know, in the agency environment, you know, like you highlighted, you know, agencies are often in alliances too. And particularly if you zoom out of the Webflow space, there's so many agencies that need Webflow support and, you know, don't specialize in that. So we can come in and be the Webflow partner for them. And then there's a platform benefits too in that, you know, by being so Webflow focused, that's led to a great partnership with Webflow itself. I know who we collaborate with on like Webflow enterprise projects. So Wow. Okay. I can see why you've had such meteoric success by just what you said there. That's fascinating. So that all makes sense to me, but why Webflow? I guess you want to, you know, fix your wagon to the right horse. And, you know, we really believe, you know, I mean, you know, everyone in the Webflow space, like we love Webflow for a reason. It's just an utterly fantastic tool. And I feel very confident, you know, telling clients that for most Webflow is the best CMS for most marketing websites. You know, there's just like no question about that. You know, there are edge cases, you know, as you move into like more advanced functionality or like data portability requirements, you know, it's not the best for e-commerce, but for like most, you know, content rich marketing websites, Webflow actually is the best CMS. And there's a huge growth potential too. You know, still early days for Webflow. I think it's like less than 1% of websites and, you know, WordPress is, you know, like, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I mean, just, yeah, no, you know, I think rising tide races all ships. You know, there's going to be a, a lot of opportunity in Webflow just as like more and more of the internet migrates to it. I kind of asked you that because I just wanted to hear the words from your mouth, but I agree with everything you say. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening are like, phew, I've, I've also, <laughs> you know, tied my wagon to the right horse. I think, I think a lot of people, when the Webflow app marketplace came into play and Alan Lineward came on board and it feels like Webflow has really embraced creating like an army of builders yeah. uh, to quote joe krug it's really really awesome to see so it makes a ton of sense that you specialize like you have something that i just want to circle back to something that you said at the start of of that answer where you said you'd been working at an agency for a couple of years where they wanted to open as many doors to opportunities as possible so if if someone comes and says hey we'd like you to create an app they'd be like yeah we can do that We'd like you to create, I don't know, brand guidelines. Yeah, we can do that. We'd like you to create whatever. And I think there's this idea generally that, you know, the more doors you have, as it were, the more entrances there are for, for clients to come in and and pay you, which sounds great. But you just said there that there were massive, massive problems with that. Can you just really spell those out for anyone that's like, I do brand identity, I do app design, I do e-commerce, I do, and, and they're like a one-man band sitting in their bedroom in their underpants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, I guess, I'm, you know, it's a classic, like, jack of all trades, you know, master of none. One one really great example is, you know, by focusing on Webflow, you can develop, like, a, you know, process for how to launch a Webflow site, particularly, like, a QA checklist, like, a site does not launch without, you know, these elements. And, you know, when I was at a less specialized agency, we didn't have a Webflow-specific like, site launch checklist. So, and that led us to, like, you know, launch one client's website without an email populated in the, you know, the form alert 
you know, in Webflow settings, you know, I said that client then like went a few weeks missing out on leads because they weren't getting their Webflow form email alerts. And, you know, yeah, so that, you know, huge impact to the client, you know, like absolutely disastrous, you know, outcome just resulting from a lack of processes built around that platform. And then, you know, I, I think there's also really a risk of not knowing how good of a job you're doing or not. You know, yeah, like I, I like for one client, just like, you know, taught myself how to run Facebook. Ad. Like I bought a, an online course on Facebook ads. And, but, you know, well, after we like won the contract, you know, on ta- yeah, taught myself from, from scratch. And, you know, I'm sure I wasn't doing the best possible job. You know, I had no accrued learnings or experience around that. So, you know, yeah, just pro- I guess providing an I think, yeah, often, and you also don't know, a big part of like specializing with service is learning exactly how much it should cost. You know, like what, like what is the market rate of like a given contribution to a project? And then, you know, and then it's, it's when you become more effective at evaluating when your projects are becoming too expensive. And then that allows you to actually in turn, you know, part specialization simultaneously because you're specialized, often you can charge higher prices, but also you can charge lower prices too because you know how efficiently the work can or cannot be done at like a big studio without a lot of his success with a service like entirely focused around like, webflow templates and you know that that's a service that requires like knowledge of the webflow template library and like you know processes we've developed around like how to take those templates and push them so that you know the client still ends up with a custom website and then you know of course then executing the project efficiently requires a team of webflow specialists and like the standards around how to launch a webflow site that I already referenced and like, you know, that, that whole service, you know, can only emerge, you know, from a, you know, a prolonged focus and like a certain, yeah, in a, in a certain area. So fascinating. Okay. So recap, I think it's really important to stress how people want to hire, hire specialists. And if you position yourself as a specialist by doing a very small number of things, or maybe one particular platform, incredibly well and just that then you can streamline your systems and processes potentially undercut larger businesses that may be offering all sorts of different things but don't have nearly as an efficient process and as a result win more business with maybe way bigger margins than most people because you can do things so fast and i assume you're talking about bx express is that your template service where essentially within a week you can take a template with your specialist services essentially you know manipulate that template to whatever the client wants and go from not having a website or you know having a bad website to migrating that website to a fully service ready webflow launch is mental go watch the webflow comp talk about this because i watched it and i was like wow food for thought here okay Sorry, that wasn't really a question. That was more just like a little little recap slash adding a few nuggets. Something that I think is really interesting as well, and I could talk to you for hours and I promise we will get into the failures very soon, but question. You're part of this kind of holding group with a few other agencies. Talk to me about that because I think a lot of the time agencies are kind of in silos. They don't. The founders don't necessarily talk to each other enough because they look at each other as competition you seem to be very much in the camp of, you know, founders are allies in the Webflow space. We can help each other grow. And by virtue of doing that, everyone's going to grow. What is the benefit of being in this holding group 
of a few other agencies. Do you talk a lot? Do you share resources? Do you recommend other Webflow agency owners get into kind of mastermind groups like it seems like you have as well? What, give me some insights there. Yeah, yeah great, great question. So yeah, I, I was interested in partnering with Feral Holdings uh, in large part because I'd already kind of developed a like an asynchronous mentorship with like, Peter King, the founder of the group. When I was at this other agency, you know, I was reading Peter. Peter has a great blog, by the way, that you know, I think if you're interested in the agency businesses, yeah, just a, like a fantastic read. And you know, I was reading this blog and applying some of his, you know, recommendations and ideas. And you know, I felt, yeah, they were very effective. You know, just even you know without us being in conversation, you know, just like reading something and then testing it out. So yeah, when I connected with him in person and he suggested we go into business together, it was kind of like a no-brainer. And the group has has a number of benefits. Number one, they provide like back office support. So you know, like they, you know, there's basically like the bookkeeping infrastructure, you know, so that, you know, I'm more focused on like sales, operations, project delivery, marketing, you know, I'm not in the weeds of like accounting or like, you know, managing like the PNL, you know, which is like, yeah, great. That's also not my like greatest. No, you're back. Yeah. It's really great to have that offloaded. And then uh, there's the mentorship aspect in that, you know, Peter and his co-founder have been in the business for 17 years, you know, so yes, but yes, that, I mean, honestly, that'd be a great web whale interview. And that, you know, yeah, obviously over 17 years, you just accrue a massive amount of experience and, you know, a lot of conversation, you know, it's it's just, you know, I was having my weekly one-on-one with Peter this week and, you know, yeah, he was like, it's so funny, like you're just describing this exact situation that, you know, we went through like eight years ago. It's like, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, so having a, a sounding board who's like been around the block, made a lot of these mistakes before, also, you know, found what's effective, you know, it's incredibly that, you know, because, you know, just speaking of failure. If you do want to avoid failure, the best way to avoid it probably is to learn from someone who who did it before you. You know, there's like really no other, or you know, someone who learned from someone else how to avoid it. You know, it really can supercharge uh, that. Yeah, that perspective. Um, and then, and this is probably the most important part is the holding groups like reputation and network and like deal flow. You know, those you know built up a great reputation over 17 years. So you know, a lot of our biggest clients, you know, come through that network. And, you know, that also, and it can accelerate other relationships too, you know, to have this, you know, like an, you know, an aura of trust and reputation beyond like what I've accomplished, you know, to be connected to PX. It sounds like it's been a huge part of the studio's rise by having that kind of instant network, but also knowledge compound, compound effect that's, that's really played a part. So it's, it's fascinating to hear because I don't know that many other Webflow is in the space that have done anything similar to you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you are you one of the only Webflowers that are that are kind of part of this type of scheme, I guess. Yeah, I guess eighty twenty would probably be the other problem. Yeah, but yeah, I'm trying to think of her others. Actually, my old agency, Diamond Hook, is technically part of yeah a holding company too. That's called Hook Holdings, but you know I think you know it's. Diamond Tuck actually is the oldest company within that holding company. So it's almost like maybe the reverse relationship where some of the newer ventures can benefit, you know, benefited from Diamond Tuck as much as yeah, more. Either way, if someone's listening to this and is like, oh, yeah, this this sounds great. Maybe I should join a holding company. Maybe instead of jumping to I want to join a holding company, just the fact of having, you know, finding someone in who's gone through the failures that that, you know, you might want to avoid is huge so 
you know, finding a mentor by potentially following and, you know, even just like picking up nuggets from their Twitter and LinkedIn. Like there's so much amazing stuff that people are sharing. The problem with mentors is they're not scalable. You know, everyone wants to know how to shoot a free throw like Michael Jordan. Everyone wants to talk to Mason Poe about Webflow, whatever, you know, but actually you can, you know, success leaves clues and you can find a lot of nuggets from just trawling their social medias, talking to people that have worked with them. There's all sorts of ways to do that. But this idea of having a kind of mentorship group or an accountability group even of other agency founders or people that are in a similar stage to you but have similar visions of what they want to achieve, you know, you can share what's working, what's not. I've obviously massively benefited this kind of accidentally by virtue of just interviewing successful people and kind of talking to people every single week. I'm not saying set up a podcast if you're listening, by the way, but <laughs> although it is a great, it is a great life hack, but this idea of just, you know, connecting with other people and having some kind of regular meetup is going to really amplify your chances of success, I would argue. Are you ready to jump into your failures, Jacob? We now know how you've, well, a little bit about how you've got to this place with BX Studio working with brands like Headspace. It's incredible. But although it all sounds rosy, it hasn't always been this way. You've had some difficult times along the journey. So tell me about failure number one, getting fired from your first client account. Oof. Is your design any good? Is that the right color? Is that copy any good for conversions? If only there was a tool to help you answer these questions. One tool built to test Webflow sites for all. Enter OptiBase, the A-B testing tool for Webflowers. Test anything you can think of. Colors, layouts, buttons, layouts buttons no credit card needed sign up today by clicking the link in the show notes out now for web flowers everywhere back to the episode yeah so this was at my the previous agency where where i worked as a creative director and like managed the agency day to day and just to set some context you know this was a really small agency when i joined we had you know, almost no clients, you know, the business was in like really dire financial straits. And then, you know, thankfully we won like one big client and then, you know, another small client and then finally yeah, like a third small client. But, you know, I was still like, you know, relatively new in this firm, you know, yeah, definitely like shaky, you know, still, yeah, kind of month to month, you know, at risk of like missing payroll. And uh, yeah, I'm just my third project there. It was, you know, a very simple project in a way, like a Webflow site for a uh, small con consulting firm in Maryland, you know, kind of like a bread and butter professional services website. And just completely like, yeah, screwed up. Like within like three meetings, the client was like so fed up with me that, that they fired me, they, they fired me from the account and the Webflow designer and a developer who, you know, I was supposed to be, you know, managing, you know, they're like, oh, we want to work with him. So I, the key thing was, you know, I'd set expectations for us, like following a certain process. And at this point too, I wasn't, you know, very, yeah, I wasn't as clear, you know, and, you know, how, how I like work with, you know, team members, you know, I was kind of more like go with the flow, be really nice, 
be really accommodating. And yeah, like the, the designer and developer I was working with, you know, it was a bit more of a, you know, uh, he sometimes just, you know, do what you want, you know, go cowboy, so to speak. So we had set this expectation that we're going to present low fidelity wireframes and high fidelity wireframes. And then like, you know, then develop it in workflow, you know, the kind of standard like design into development timeline. And it was really interesting. This, yeah, this, our, our designer and developer pulled us something pretty incredible, which is that he built out like their entire website in like the first week instead. So it's like, you know, we showed up to the second meeting with, uh, you know, a fully built Webflow prototype and it looks great. And it ended up actually being really close to what they launched with, but they, it wasn't what they wanted. And it wasn't like what we had told told them we were going to do, and you know they're they're like really concerned about this. And uh, yeah, was it so? So this, you know, yeah, that that was like what you know did me in, you know, not following that process. And then it was interesting too. <laughs> there was another call scheduled with their CEO. It's funny she gave me a bit of feed. It's funny I, I I don't quite remember why she told me this, but she, yeah, she was like, remember you guys are the experts. Like we hired you for a reason. So like, you know, if you don't agree with something, like tell us, you know, kind of classic, like client advice, you know, it's probably being like a little obsequious, like a little towing the line, but I really took it to heart. <laughs> so then we showed up to the third meeting and I still hadn't, I guess, uh, like, you know, applied enough, like internal pressure to get us back on like the project plan. You know, so we still were just working with this, like <laughs> fully realized Webflow prototype instead of low fidelity wireframes. And, you know, and then, you know, one of the clients like, you know, started barking me out for it. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, you told me to stand my ground. <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, trust me, this is very intentional. This is exactly what we wanted to show you. And, you know, I, I, I yeah. So, yeah. So then they fired me. And, you know, the, the my partners in the company, they actually convinced them to, like, let me stay on the project. So I just, like, dial into the calls and be silent as kind of this, like, sad ghost in the background. But, yeah, the, the designer and developer we were working with, you know, was great. And, you know, yeah, and it was funny, you know, we... The, the irony of it all, it, I mean, it was a great, you know, kind of case study and, you know, client experience and work quality. It'd been very separate, you know, because we actually were right in that, you know, the Webflow prototype we brought them was excellent and didn't change that much. But, you know, it was all about setting expectations and process and managing the client relationship. And then that's where I, I really completely fumbled. It sounds that wasn't the story I was expecting you to say at all. It's it's fascinating that you essentially over delivered without without them expecting you to, which was the reason why you essentially got got fired. It's I had a conversation with Corey Moyne about this where very early on when I was doing the podcast, but essentially there's this strange process where you kind of need to lead the client closer and closer to, you know, actualizing all these ideas that they need to feel involved, giving feedback. They need to feel like it's their decision, even if you're trying to guide them through that process. But the guiding through the process is actually more important for them to feel that they've got to the actual visual- visualization of that idea, i.e. the website, because they because they want to feel involved. It's their thing and they're emotionally attached to it. And this is kind of like, you know, you might be able to do the designs quicker if you because you might know that this is kind of a bread and butter website i can do this like just trust me just give me the space i'll just do it and i'll present it to you and we can probably do it ahead of timeline and there's all these things in your head that's like i'm gonna smash this out of the park i mean they're gonna give me a raise if anything but actually it was like the opposite because maybe you just hadn't had the emotional awareness at that time to kind of 
guide them through the process or realize the importance of guiding them through the process. Have I understood that correctly, do you think? Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. I do think for Webflow sites, I think about the process more now in terms of efficiency and that like, you know, if you just present a fully developed website, what you're running the risk is that you just have to go back to the drawing board and like all of that work is for naught. So, but I do, I do think what you're highlighting where you really start to see the value of that is in identity design and like the top identity design agencies, like, yeah, they're good at design. What they're really good at is like kind of what you touched upon of like getting like the decision maker, you know, the CEO or the CMO to like feel the new identity in that boardroom where they're presenting and like have it land and then have it and then getting them to sign off on it because it's like such a high stakes emotional decision. And if they can't like, you know, they, they could present like, well, I mean, a lot of these identities, you know, they're, they're actually like, very simple at the end of the day. And like, you know, and also dealing with someone who's not an expert in the space and like, you know, it isn't even qualified really to evaluate it. And so like, you can't sell it in, you know, you're, they're coming to you because they don't know how to do this, but it, you kind of still need them to, you know, give the approval so that you can actually move to the next stage. I think there's this really interesting thing. I can't remember what the psychological principle is, but essentially it's what people say versus what they actually mean. So when your when your girlfriend says, what do you want to eat tonight? She's not asking you what you want to eat tonight. She's asking you, well, maybe she's asking you, this is how I've perceived it. And if there are any other listeners that completely disagree, totally fair, tweet me. But I think what she's asking is, what do you think I want to eat tonight? I think that's what that question actually means. So where am I going with this analogy? I think what I'm trying to say is that when a client says, I want a website that's beautifully designed, responsive, da da da, yes, cool. And you might think, cool, I can do that in a week. Give me the brand give me the brand guidelines. I can do that. I'm going to be ahead of schedule. It's going to be more time efficient. For me, I'm going to have better margins. It's, it's a win for me. It's a win for them. You know, everyone's a winner, right? But actually, there is this kind of guiding people through the process thing. Now, we talked a little bit about the start of this episode, BX Express, the service where people specifically want speed and all the things that we just talked about, responsiveness, quality of workmanship, et cetera, et cetera, for the website to result in less than a week. So I think there's like, it's just about the expectation setting. If you say, look, I'm going to be able to get this done really fast and really well, and here's what I need from you in order to do that, and everyone's on board from the get-go, what is agreed? Great. It's not to say that you can't do a website quickly and, and efficiently and all the benefits that you just talked about. It's that both parties need to know what's going to happen and then for that process to actually carry out for everyone to feel like they're a winner. I think that's my interpretation of what you just said. Is that fair, Jacob? Yeah, and uh, I also think, it, you know, there's just the, the golden rule of being a good collaborator is like do what you say you're going to do. And that I think that's the crux of the issue is I told them we were going to do something and then we did something else. Tell me about failure number two, not holding internal team members to reasonable standards. Hey guys, just jumping in here to say that Flowfest has been launched. The website is now live. So go to flowfest.co.uk to get yourself a ticket for the 11th of July, the 11th 
of July. So I have nothing to do with organizing this one, by the way, but this is Isabel Edwards, Ash, various other amazing humans that are involved. It's going to be a great meetup. Like Isabel is just awesome at organizing stuff and she always throws herself into stuff 110%. So well worth going. She promises loads of nice things, three no-code talks, food, drinks, outdoor games, live music. I mean, this thing is taking meetups to another level. I mean, combining a festival and a conference is a mad idea, but it's going to be sick and I'm so pumped. So anyway, get yourself to Manchester if you're a UK-based webflower for the 11th of July. It's going to be it's going to be mad. If it's anything like the website, which is sick by the way, it's going to be like the best event of the year. So Yes, get yourself to Flowfest uh, website, copper ticket, see you on the 11th of July. Back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, I think there was, uh, it, it kind of relates to like the first anecdote too, you know, we're at like my, you know, my old agency, you know, yeah, like, like that project, like not, you know, I hold myself accountable because of the second point, you know, again, it's like, you know, how do you, like, you know, like, what, what are your standards? And like, you know, how firm are you going to be in those? And that, you know, like, I, you know, I, I actually, yeah, in that situation, it wasn't like I wanted to follow a different process. I wanted to go back to them with low fidelity wireframes, but the, you know, the person I was working with didn't. And, you know, I wasn't able to, I guess, you know, enforce like what, what, like my standard for the project, you know, which did directly, you know, lead to me being fired. And yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's just so important in scaling a team that, you know, like what your standards for collaboration are and that you're willing to like stand up for those. And I mean, it, and it, if you can't, you know, then, I mean, well, then, then you're just, you know, the, you know, like, you know, a company, like, you know, the company take, the company's reputation can take a hit. The client relationship can take a hit. You can burn bridges, you know, and yeah, like there's that saying, like, you know, it takes a lifetime to build up a reputation or it can be destroyed in like 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. It's like, and then, and then there's also just your experience too. You know, I think that's been a big thing for me is that, this work can be demanding, but if you're working with good people, it can actually go really smooth. And yeah, if you're, if you let people jerk you around and, you know, not, you're kind of like with the, actually, you know, honestly, to this client's credit, you know, they kind of exhibit what I'm saying, saying it, which is that I, you know, I jerked them around. I told them I was going to do something. I did something else. They thought, you know, they got rid of me. You know, it's like, you know, and obviously I'm not, you know, advocating for being overly draconian or like, you know, you know, Kurt with people, you know, it's also so important to be like a great communicator. But, uh, you know, I think earlier on in my career, I was really focused on being like a super nice guy. You know, I, I just, I cared about like the, you know, the team experience and like, you know, the company, you know, being like a, like a cheerful, happy place and like everyone like being best friends. And that's like what I was optimizing for, you know, and, like how I manage the team. And, you know, that, and often, you know, like what that led to was actually situations where then I, I had to like, you know, where I, I, I personally then kind of paid the price, you know, like staying up all night to like, you know, QA a website because like it wasn't, you know, delivered effectively or, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, letting, you know, when I could have been like doing, you know, higher leverage things, you know, going, going through like the same points of feedback, you know, like dozens of times and yeah. And, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel, I don't know. I don't want to present myself as this like, you know, big bad wolf, but I, I think well, I, I, at the same thing, you know, it's like the, the world is big and it's just like, you know, it, like you can, 
define your experience in it by, you know, like, you know, choosing who you work with and, you know, like what, you know, and, you know, how, how that team works together. And I, I think that, yeah. And that, that, that's how you, you know, ultimately build like a high performing team and like a high performing organization. Right. Like bandwidth. Yeah. Okay. So many different things that you said there that I think we just need to recap or maybe just dive into different pieces of those. So, okay. One thing that you said was really interesting was if you don't, it's it's not just having standards, it's actually upholding those standards. So that's something that I think is really interesting. A lot of agencies talk about the importance of systems and processes. Not a lot of people, or at least I've, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about those systems and processes being fulfilled and lived daily. And agencies that I've worked with in the past might have like, here are our values. And it's like, well, when there's a problem, those values seem to go out the window for whatever reason. Or, you know, there's like, oh yeah, we need to do Q&A, but yeah, we don't really have time. So let's just let's just get it out there and then we'll sort it live. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> what what's the point of having a Q&A checklist if that's how how, you know, what what are our standards? How do we how do we maintain those standards? So my question to you is you talked about good employees there. I assume what you're saying by good employees is people that value the same things you value in order to maintain consistency and consistency of experience, not just for the other people that you work with, but also the clients that you work with so that those expectations are upheld. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think that's a great distillation that similar values, it it often does come down to similar values. And And how do you find those people? Because... I mean, it's easy to say, I need to find some people with similar values to me. But, you know, like, you must have had so many different contractors over the years with your meteoric growth that, frankly, you might not have known that well before you hired them. And then you kind of, like, you know, how how does that play out? Yeah, and and that kind of relates to the third failure, which, you know, yeah, is related to, like, you know, difficulties like hiring. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been particularly effective at it, you know. But I do think, you know, it shows itself when you work together, you know? Yeah, you, like, it's not, yeah, if anything, I've erred too much towards, like, hey, let's just, like, work, you know, let's just work together. And then, like, you know, we see where it goes. Yeah. yeah. I guess there isn't, like, a golden rule per se. I know that there's some companies that do, like, all sorts of different interviews with different team members. And then there's a group decision after months and stuff. And I understand that maybe the more senior the role, the more important that would be to do just because the cost of hiring that person and then that hire not being the right fit would be pretty damaging both financially and probably emotionally for the whole team etc but yeah i think i guess with the type of scaling that you've had as an agency owner over well like literally since january 22 you're probably getting work faster than you know how to cope with it and as a result this like finding people with similar values is probably going to be quite hard to test before those people come in. Before we move on to failure number three, which is more specifically about hiring, I want to ask you a little bit about this this concept that you just talked about there of like the importance of systems and processes being upheld. And if people don't uphold them, what happens? What, how do you, I mean, okay, let's say this, you've got standards in your agency and you have a cowboy of a designer who's really, really good at design, like in 
the example that you shared with us. And you're like, he's insane. He's more senior than me. He's done this for years. And you like, and you trust him and he messes up. Is, is it like, okay, we need to have a frank conversation and be like, hey, look, if you want to work like this, this isn't going to work for us. Or kind of how, how, like, how do you uphold the standards with a massive team? Hey guys, just jumping in here to say that the web flavor of the week is Zeke. That was the best web flavor of the week little intro I've done. He says, hey Jack and Jess, this podcast is so vulnerable and honest. Couldn't come at a better time as I'm about to start a new role next month. As designers who are listening, we feel less alone. A thousand thank yous. Fan from Singapore. Zeke, that is one of the most lovely messages I've seen on Twitter. Because I think this whole idea of freelancing and freedom and, you know, being able to do what you love and stuff and and be creative and move shapes and stuff and design and develop is really exciting. But it, it can feel quite lonely. So it's really, really nice to hear that you feel more connected and that you're less alone because, you know, other people are going through the same problems you are. So awesome, awesome to hear. If you haven't listened to Jess's episode, she drops some really, really valuable advice all about leadership but also setting boundaries and i guess just becoming a better designer and developer like you know how do you take feedback how are you an empathetic human that can give and take advice so anyway give that one a listen if you haven't already zeke thanks so much for writing that comment as always feel free to write nice things and make us feel good about this whole web flail project thanks so much Back to the episode. Yeah, no, I do. I do think you know communication is so key. Oh, yeah, so like a, a great starting point is like if you're working with someone, you know, they should be a great communicator. You know, and that you know that so it's like yeah, if, if you know if they're with anyone with anyone in my life, I would hope you know that if I have you know something that's on my mind that that I think we should talk about, that we're able to like communicate about that effectively. You know, and that that's, you know, like relationship, yeah, like friendships, romance, work, you know, like that. That's just like, you know, how I think how, how to like, you know, really healthy long term relationships. So, yeah, you know, I, I communicate about it. And then, and you know, with, with you know, yeah, obviously, you know, like we're on what web play, like every, you know, I, I make mistakes all the time. You know, I, you know, it, it, mistakes are a part of life. But then if you're either not able to communicate about the mistake or the communication doesn't result in the outcome that's needed to like uphold the standard then you know then yeah that, then unfortunately you know, yeah then, then you see that play out but you know yeah yeah no it's a, it's a really interesting i think that's part of the reason that i think well obviously i think personally webflow is important because i've dedicated a lot of time to this but i do think talking about like thoughts and feelings isn't something that's really encouraged in the webflow space but i've noticed that projects where you might have like an all-star team of people who you know can do the work but they don't work well as a team because they don't talk or they don't communicate like you can have people who have been in the game for like 30 years but if they don't maybe like respect another team member or there's a breakdown in the communication suddenly a project can go tits up real fast so yeah i definitely think communication is one of those things that isn't normally in a like people say oh great communicator but most of the time people seem to hire on skill sets over 
values. And I think that could be a problem potentially. Okay, before we move on to failure number three, I really want to quickly touch on this people pleasing aspect. You said that earlier on in your career, you wanted to like have a kind of cheerful, upbeat team and stuff. And actually, the more I've lived and worked in stuff, the less I think that that is the critical thing. I think obviously people want to people need to enjoy what they do in order to do a good job in my opinion but actually like this idea of like we're a family is i don't do really stressful projects with my family <laughs> like that's not a family relationship and the first person that said this to me was actually mason at and he was like we're not a family if you have you know a family member in hospital you leave work you need to get you need to go and see that family member in hospital because family is your number one priority not work and he and he kind of pushed away from this idea of like, you know, this is like a happy clappy group. Like we're here to do do good work and, and and enjoy that work. But for us to enjoy that work, we need to be clear about what we're doing and 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 why we're here. Which I think is kind of an interesting idea. Like this people pleasing thing that bleeds into actually not being direct and clear about communicating clearly. So food for thought there for anyone that's listening. Okay, tell me about failure number three. Not hiring project managers at BX Studio for five months despite scaling the agency significantly. This is all very linked, interlinked, isn't it, Jacob? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, I founded BX Studio. I remember early on, you know, Peter, my co-founder, was like, oh, like we should get you, like, you know, we should hire a project manager. And for some, for some reason, at the very beginning, I was like, oh, no, like, I want to do all of the project management myself, you know? I, I, I don't even really know like where, I guess, you know, there was a concern at the beginning. We had no clients, you know, our first month, we, I think literally had zero dollars in revenue, you know, but uh, yeah, and I guess, you know, I've always liked work. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, especially then I, I liked working with clients too. And, uh, you know, if there's just something, I guess, I guess I also hadn't gone through experience of uh, scaling a team of project managers. So, you know, so yeah, I think that's what it comes down to after was that in my previous agency, we were never busy enough. Or only towards the very end did I start to like delegate project execution, you know, to other project managers, account managers who'd like be the client's main point of contact. And even then, like, you know, when I did, I would still like be on the calls just because it was a smaller firm. I, you know, we didn't have as many projects. So yeah, there wasn't really the need, so to speak. So I guess I wasn't like a muscle. I had, you know, that's really interesting, actually, because that, yeah, yeah, the lack of that muscle, I, I think has been like the hardest part about scaling BX, you know, because uh, yeah, as you know, like the you know, the kind of force related failure too is like the difficulty of hiring project managers. I guess that's what I've been like learning these past two years is, yeah. So, you know, we started winning more clients, you know, and, and uh, it's funny. It's like one, one month we just like hit this hockey stick curve, I guess, you know, you the kind of uh, sales efforts and, you know, momentum around the agency had really, I just did an inflection point. I also think we were lucky when we founded it, we were kind of like in the last like gasps of like the zero interest rate environment you know there's a bit more you know just like energy sloshing around and you know the the economy then and you know web flow is hot and yeah and and i i was it just like you know hit me like an absolute brick you know like it was me you know the developers we were working with and one you know qa analyst you know who, who did a really amazing job and had been kind of like flexed into like a junior project management role in some ways but like you know we were just like absolutely demolished and and then this is going to sound so frivolous too, is that right, right around that same time too, I, 
a friend and I had like a rather spontaneous idea to go to a music festival together. And that, and that was like one of the most like interesting like weeks of my life. And that I was like, it was like, I don't think I've ever, ironically, even with the music festival, I don't think I've like ever been more productive because like my life was like, like sleep the absolute bare minimum, you know, like three, four hours from the moment I woke up, I'd just be like, you know, like blinders on, like typing at the computer as fast as I possibly could, you know, flitting between like dozens of projects. And then, you know, and then I would like run off to like the festival at night and then like, you know, come home and like collapse for a few hours and like, you know, do it again. And, and yeah. And then I, you know, I, I brought on, you know, one of, yeah. And uh, it, it's unfortunate too that this happened because, you know, speaking of like burning bridges, I, I did sour a couple of client relationships during this period. And I came really close, you know, to having it be worse. I managed to like we, we landed one particularly demanding account that, that, you know, I think for, you know, at that point had the impulse to like, you know, pull in a project manager I already knew and could kind of unconditionally trust. And I feel, I still feel bad about this. Just she got thrown into the deep end and had to like figure out like a very difficult project, you know, by herself, you know, at the, you know, it, yeah, as you can imagine how like hectic and last minute it was. Yeah. So, so she had, <laughs> so yeah, she had like the worst onboarding experience you could ever imagine at an agency. And yeah, definitely soured a couple of client relationships which still still you know kind of haunts me to this day and uh, yeah it was tough too because like when you get that busy you really can't hire because just like every second of every day like, you're behind on like dozens of tasks so the idea of like even just like you know putting up the job posting you know becomes like the lowest priority and you know it's difficult to you know then like spend time with the team and i think it took me like around a month to kind of like crawl out of it and that yeah i onboarded yeah i found yeah, one project man. Uh, yeah, we we got. Yeah, I think there's a month of just like, you know, like really getting like chewed up, you know, by the intensity of the work and like, you know, my I, I felt like, like my, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've never put myself through like more physical strain. And yeah, I'm not a- advocating this, but you know, it's not meant to be like, you know, hustle culture. Like, like this wasn't healthy and it wasn't good for you know, like the business would have been much better off if I hadn't done this. It was just just kind of like trying to, I guess, like stay above water literally you know just like yeah like you know try yeah ju- <laughs> yeah just some choppy water and trying to like not drown and yeah we, we mostly got through it you know most of the client relationships worked out if if you were to go back in time it, there's this hockey stick period where it seems like everything went mental and it seems like you also were just like whoa there's tons of success and all i need to do is to you know stay above water as it were as you as you said do you what would you have changed in that period do you regret taking on all the clients that you did do you wish you maybe i don't know hired project managers before like accepting these projects or kind of how would you have changed things at the time yeah i just needed project managers you know yeah i should have hired project managers early when i saw the work picking up i should have like you know immediately pivoted from like execution mode to hiring mode yeah, I should have just been like, you know, each day, like razor focused on expanding our band, our project management bandwidth beyond myself. And uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. I didn't, you know, for, for how busy we were. And yeah, you know, so, yeah, sometimes when you're when you're in it, you know, all you can do is just, you know, yeah, try to <laughs> yes, it, yeah, yeah, just like fo- focus on the tasks in front of you. But yeah, it's a good reminder that like, you know, yeah, when yeah, you know, especially today, you know, it's like there's so many people are you know, it's so easy to, you know, collaborate with freelancers on a flexible basis, you know, like in the past one, like full-time employment, you know, was, you know, more, more common, you know, you know, I, I could understand, oh yeah, it's like, you know, who, how are we going to, 
you know, yeah, today with like the internet and remote work, like, you, you know, you, if you need someone, you know, to help out in a pinch, you, you can typically find that. So it was just, yeah, I just didn't have the muscle, you know, and I, th- I think a lot of this comes down to, you know, building that muscle memory so that like, you know, when challenges or situations arise, your body kind of like instinctually goes towards the right solution. And I, I just didn't have that then. I really shouldn't. <laughs> I really shouldn't. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I definitely, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of having like a face in a relationship with clients and like being involved, you know, you know, try to find like high leverage ways to like, you know, make an impact on client accounts. But I don't think I'm lead project manager of like any, of anything specifically. A- after that recent experience where I was like, oh my God, why am I doing this yet again? I'm once again trying to project manage and dropping the ball. And like, it's, it's like, yeah, it, yeah. And it says, so now, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I honestly, this is, as you said, great therapy because now I'm just really drilling it in like, oh yeah, it's like, the solution is never I should project manage. The solution is to immediately, immediately go through the motion of hiring. Yeah, fair, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry if I sound like I don't know a dickhead business coach. I I'm just intrigued by what you're saying because you're like, you know, I wish I hired a project manager so I wasn't a project manager. And it's like, but I'm a project manager right now, so I'm just I'm just intrigued. But yeah, it does sound like yeah, as the hockey stick uh, happened sounds like you were just completely excited to maybe just accept the projects and get the, get them going and then suddenly you were like oh shit i'm properly overwhelmed why don't i go to a music festival what have i got to lose that in itself is mental i mean it's maybe you're just like i've, I've lost you know you were kind of like delirious you know you're just like fuck it what have i got to lose you know i'm not sleeping anyway uh, might as well just go and i don't know go to an edm rave okay before we before we wrap this up, I want to know what success looks like to you. We've got, you know, we know you've had this meteoric rise. What does what what does success look like to you? What does the average Tuesday look like to you? Or what do you want it to look like compared to what it is now? And and where's BX Studio going? Mm, great question. Yeah, so I mean, the vision with BX is to continue scaling and you know you know grow the agency. And, you know, continue establishing a reputation as like a top Webflow agency. Like long term, we'd love to just be, you know, like one of, yeah, the, like the best Webflow agencies in the world. And also like, a, you know, like a fairly, you know, sizable firm, you know, to get, yeah, continue growing each year. In turn, yeah. So, you know, it, it's simple. You know, we're not trying to like reinvent the wheel. You know, it's a proven business model. You know, we know our space. You know, I have some other interests. Like, I'm really interested in, like, you know, AR and VR. So, you know, maybe if, like, the Vision Pro takes off, I'll, like, you know, explore hiring, like, another agency, like, focused on that. But, you know, I think, you know, BX, yeah, it's, like, like you know, I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel with, like, BX specifically. But, you know, I'll tell you, like, you know, we want to create, like, a public resource for, like, you know, web, like, little Webflow hacks. So we'll put together kind of, like, you know, FinSuite hat and, you know. Sometimes we'll talk about doing like a Webflow app and, you know, there might be like, you know, there are like tangents along the way, but I, I do think the bread and butter of the agency will just, yeah, you know, I, I guess the contrast to, to, you know, like a team like Reloom that I think it, from what I understand is, you know, trying to tra- transition to being like a software, you know, company more so than an agency. You know, we believe in the agency model and are very comfortable focusing on that. What? An episode indeed. Many thanks to our listeners and to Jacob for joining us. In this conclusion, I'd like to emphasize that even someone as accomplished as Jacob now, with a team and clients like Headspace, was once fired from an early client account. So it's just, I just want to emphasize this because it's fascinating to see that successful people were once just like us, 
mere mortals grappling with projects, learning systems, and perhaps not even that proficient at Webflow yet. But the key takeaway is there's no secret source to success. Often it boils down to perseverance, learning from mistakes, and consistently doing good work over time. But at the start, you're probably just tripping over your own feet. You know, you're messing up, you're not doing things quite right, but it's about learning from it. And all the most successful people I've interviewed on this podcast, they have all got massive failures. Why? Because they've taken big risks, but they've learned from them and their comfort zone has grown, they've grown, and everything kind of moves in an upwards trajectory. But it's not about extraordinary intelligence or an extensive network necessarily. It's more about moving forward in a positive manner. Simples. Simples. Just got to stay in the game long enough. Now, next episode, we've got Jeremy LaRue from No Code North, another corker of a guest, if I may say. Until then, have a fantastic week, web flavors. Bye.